I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody Whites, your business coach, helping your business be nothing less than spectacular. I'm here with my panel of coaches from Women Empowering Women. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hi there. And we are going to be talking about boundaries. Say no to get to yes. So that should be exciting. I know it's a challenge for, you know, not only women, but men and most of us. So, um, yes, we're going to step in and, um, you know, uh, have this great conversation. Now, I'll start out by saying, um, because this is clearly linked with it, that people-pleasing have their roots in unhealthy boundaries. And, you know, we really think that we're being selfish if we're not giving that other person what they want, when they want it, the second they request it. And um, why don't I open it up to that? And if anybody has any comments or any experiences with their clients with people pleasing and and having that very strong boundary. Well, I can say something. What what just comes to mind for me when you say that is this uh, assumptions. Like we often have, we kind of get tangled in assumptions of what we think the other person wants or expects. And we just kind of, you know, work so hard to try to please when uh, clearer communication would probably just help not, you know, go there in the first place. That's what first thing that comes to mind for me. Right. And where do you think these assumptions come from? I think from life, I guess, from all prior experiences and I'm thinking like the pleasing is coming from, you know, being afraid of being rejected or excluded maybe, or something like that, that we, but we make up all these things in our mind instead of having that clear communication with people. Right. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because um, I've heard that people pleasing really starts early in our childhood socialization especially women um would anybody else like to talk about that yeah i'd like to add too that my experience um with that people pleasing that that doing what is good for others kind of has its root part of it you know there's different way places it comes from but that the root of in childhood in in infancy of how to protect ourselves, how to create or establish an experience that is safe. So that when, if we're a child and we're not allowed to 
talk back in quotes, air quotes. You know, we're not allowed to to express and say what we feel because we get in trouble or um, we learn then not to freely express and, and as an adult to maintain peace, to maintain um, our own protection, just subconsciously we we'll, may not feel free to express, for instance. Yeah, <clears throat> I had a thought about um, how important belonging is and how easy it is to underestimate the importance of that in, you know, American culture that prizes individualism perhaps more than any other culture and country in the world. But um, <clears throat> there have been studies done and the um, psychological impact of shunning, of being, you know, excised from the group, um, uh, the impact is as severe as physical torture on people's physiology. So to find a way to belong and also be yourself fully is a tension I think that uh, carries through, you know, much of our lives. What is the balance? And the balance changes in every situation and with every group. So being true to yourself, being part of a larger, entity um, seems to me kind of a human uh, challenge, a, a deep human challenge. Yeah, and that's a great point, Gail, in that um, it does, you know, what we want to believe, but we want to be ourselves individually. We want to say whatever we want to say without having others look down upon us, criticize us or judge us. I think now it's yeah. Go ahead, Cynthia. I think we also live in a culture that is highly competitive, and if we're not doing, 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 you know, we have that fear of missing out. Um, but also, you know, I think that it distorts our boundaries about what is healthy. You know, what is a healthy work week? What is what is a healthy um, obligation to an employer or to a job um, above and beyond? You know, the the air quotes. 40 hours a week. It's, it's, it seems like that's, that's just a starting, it's an, it's an understudy, it's an implicit starting point when in fact, it's the whole point in my view. Right. Uh, and that, that, that is interesting. And having a healthy boundary to say, I put in my 40 hours and, you know, that is what that is all I'm going to give you. Now, what you're speaking about, Cynthia, really goes back to what Gail is speaking about is being yourself. I mean, I, I would imagine if we have healthy boundaries, we could, you know, state those requests. We could say, I, I can't do things now for you, which is, again, healthy and it allows us to be an individual, but what what gets in the way? Because I'm I'm imagining that's the tension point. Would anyone like to speak about that? Yes, Susan. Yeah, I I mean I think that at the when we go to set boundaries, I think at the least we fear upsetting someone, and at the most we fear abandonment. And Pia mentioned this. Actually, Gail mentioned this too. Just the this idea that someone may reject me and then I may feel this really primitive feeling of abandonment. Um, and so how do, we, how do we come to terms with that and still maintain healthy boundaries and find a way to assert ourselves and say what it is that we need 
with those underlying emotional um, act, those emotional issues underneath. And I think the first thing is really just knowing like those things get triggered when we set boundaries. We care about relationships. We wanna be in connection with other people. And so how do we do that in a way where we can say what we need as well as um, honor the other person and stay connected to them? I would, I would suggest that we develop language if we're unaccustomed to saying no, to practicing saying no like anything that we would practice if we were going to doing a presentation or anything else or asking for the deal to say, Oh, just a couple of key phrases. Gosh, I'd really love to. I can't, <laughs> you know, um, that's such a fantastic idea. If I'd known sooner, any, anything will really do. And it softens it. You don't have to actually physically say no. It's just like, gosh, that's such a great opportunity to think of me another time. My passion to this is, about presence and presence has to do with just being aware, having your attention on yourself, on ourselves, which at the root of this really is self-love. So how to be fully connected at heart with ourselves so that we feel our worth, our value. We just are inherently allowed to be. And then with that experience of that fullness, then it's almost that there's no boundaries actually need to be set because we feel complete and whole and we're not, and we may not be afraid of being abandoned, of being judged, of not belonging because we are, we are whole. That, that's a great point. I love, I love the fact that when we value ourselves, it makes it much easier to speak up and, and with this languaging, Cynthia as well, um, to be able to soften, to be able to say, great, you know, I'd love to think of me another time or I've got too much on my plate. Um, I'd like to be able to focus on your request, but I can't at this time. Those are all great ways to do that. Now, going back to Pia to self-love or anybody else, um, what happens you know we talk about valuing when you can speak up but what other things happen when we have a pattern of unhealthy boundaries i just want to back us up a little bit to talk about why is it harder for women and if so why might that be um, and I was just thinking, uh, well, I don't know exactly when the law, you know, the law came about when women were no longer legally property of men, uh, either the property of the father or the property of the husband. Um, but, gee, it's not surprising that if you're legally considered to be someone else's property, that asserting your own boundaries is a challenge. And the history of that and the way that history kind of is in us, even if we don't know like the facts about <laughs> the legal system, um, I think it, it, you know, it's the way that women have been treated for millennia um, and, you know, issues around uh, abortion rights, et cetera, is your body your own? Um, and then so maybe on the positive side, I mean, I remember being a mom, which was a very desired outcome for me. And I had tried many times to uh, hold a pregnancy and <clears throat> the union I felt with this little being inside of me. And then of course, when the baby comes out, uh, 
I didn't want a boundary. The merger was very, very profound and it felt really part of the gift of being a woman to be one with another in that deep, deep way in the way you are with your, with your infant. Anyway, so it, it seems like boundaries and boundarylessness, I mean, they're pros and cons on either side. I just wanted to bring up that I think there are some really specific things about being a woman, a woman that um, makes boundary setting and lack of boundaries have a different kind of quality to it. Yeah, yeah. and I think once, you know, of course, that complete union when we just have a brand new child. And if like thinking about that journey then of them growing up, and we, I think we tend to as women, also be more inclined to be kind of on of service uh caring supporting and then at some point like we you know i think it's easy to keep going with that even when in other parts of our lives or when the child actually becomes bigger and don't quite need us in the same way <laughs> to like start setting boundaries when we haven't had them so much mm -hmm. like that's kind of an interesting navigation as well yeah I, I think it's great you know I think it's easy for us to um, be connected with that relationship and hard to let them go and make mistakes and fall but it mm -hmm. also I think and you know, deep down in our unconscious, it um, it allows us to transfer that feeling onto another person of that that deep connection. Um, and those boundaries get very blurred. For example, with a partner, um, we bring that over to kind of expect that we're going to have that same deep experience so we open ourselves to having um weaker boundaries in order to have a deeper connection and i don't think that's necessarily true deeper connection with others um, can't also include strong boundaries in fact it has to so the relationship is healthy Anybody else want to speak about that? Well, I, yes, I agree, of course, that as women, we've come from this lineage of this empowerment and, um, and being owned, as Gail described, being, being property, being chattel in a way. Um, but I would like to advocate for men as well. There are men that come from a background of, uh, um, in their childhood, for instance, of abuse, of trauma that do grow into uh, having issues with boundaries, having these same that we're talking about, having these same experiences. Um, so, just to have that understanding that you know not all men are strong and tough. They may put on that appearance, but they're ha they have emotions and <laughs> and they struggle and they can struggle with it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I think control, you know, when I've sensed men and women trying to impinge on my boundary, I, I think it's a, a question that they want to somehow control you or I don't know that that is the feeling I get. Would anybody agree with that? Yeah, that, that control can come from so many different places, even from fear, right? From just 
to make themselves feel safe, they have to control or um, I would think that, you know, because at, at the core of everything, for me, it's love and fear. And so are we in love and fulfilled and connected and all in a healthy way? If not, then we're maybe in fear. And from there, all these um, emotions, all these experiences, all these reactions that may not appear to be fear, they may be, a, may be very aggressive and, and strong, but at the root is fear. Yeah, that kind of takes me back to Cynthia's earlier comment about like this, the language and like if, we, if we're talking, if we're setting either receiving a boundary or setting a boundary and that the intent is just like, hey, this is what works for me and this doesn't or not now, but later. And like that softness and kind of coming from love, I guess, in your you know language than Pia versus a harsh like like i need to control you or set this mm -hmm. boundary because i'm afraid so that's all like in like i feel like this where we meet like these are my needs these are your needs how can we meet in kind of a soft caring way i guess like that's kind of where i see the boundary yeah i what comes to my mind is um merging you know we've been kind of talking about this um, when it comes to the mother mother child bond, you know that there in the beginning there's there's merging that happens and the whole the process of letting go is defining two separate people right differentiation and where does one person start and the other person end and then and then how do you put words to that you know how do you communicate that energetically as well as verbally and cognitively and. Um, you know, I think it is an art and we have to figure it out and you have to know what your own boundaries are and know what your thoughts are, what your feelings are, and then find a way to say them in a way that is received by the other person and not defended against. And that's, it is, it's tricky. It's hard to do, but that's what we're all, we're all trying to figure that out now. When I work with a client who's having troubles with boundaries, I bring it around to, you know, well, what value that you hold dearly is being stepped on here? And how would you express that in a respectful way to someone? It's like, you know, and coming from that self-sourced emotional state, I think helps to create language that is more um, kinder and uh, and direct at the same time it's like yeah that won't work for me because I you know and then that takes you to a whole new place in terms of communication and connecting yeah one of the things that we do in psychotherapy is teach people about I statements right is what you always want to come from I feel da da da, da. I feel this I would like this and that way, the other person is able to receive, hopefully, what it is that you want without feeling like they're not doing something or they feeling too demanded upon. I work with a lot of women who are uh, single and wanting to have a partner. And it's really common for them to start out wanting a man who's similar to them and the ways in which they feel uh, he should be similar often, you know, often it's a lengthy list, but um, actually tons of those things don't matter at all to long-term happiness. In other words, 
closeness and harmonious, happy relationships can happen across many different kinds of differences. There, there are certain similarities that are important. You know, it matters to know which one, but um, can you connect through a difference? In other words, is it possible? We, we have this idea that someone should be similar to us in order for us to connect to them. But I, I think it's really what um, a developmental achievement and something to be sought, which is to connect through difference. In other words, to appreciate the richness, to be curious about the otherness and to feel how much the otherness expands you. Um, I, because I think that's so interesting, uh, Jody. what you were saying earlier, that we have this idea that less of a boundary means more of a connection. But I think we also have this idea that more similarity necessarily means more of a connection. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Thank you. I love that point because I, I know couples that are happy and, and functioning very well. And it takes a fair amount of communication to make that happen because their experiences are, are different from one another and they're, the way they go about things is things are different. So, you know, getting back to, you know, Cynthia's point is um, the I statements, right? And Susan and the I statements and how to express your needs. Um, and how to express the boundaries of, I don't do it this way, I'm more comfortable um, doing it that way in a work situation, for example. Um, does anybody have uh, any additional languaging that our listeners can use? Just throw it out there, whatever you'd like to, to I'd say. Like, yeah, I'd like to offer not so much a languaging right now. It um, has to, I think Cynthia, touched on this or Susan, um, it ha you know, to allow ourselves to feel the boundary that has been crossed or support our client in feeling the boundary that has been crossed, meaning be in that vulnerable place that may feel weak, but it's actually a place of great power to find out where that wound is and then feel that and know Oh, this is this is my 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 place, my line. This is what I have to define for myself, where it's okay and where it's not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're talking about interception, really knowing what's happening on the inside. How does that person's actions or thoughts or words affect me internally? And then is that okay with me or not? And then how do I then work with that and how do I set the limit? in a way that is um, kind and, but also empowering for myself. Another kind of boundary that of course I have to mention of course is if you take on a big project like completing a book, right? Everything in the world is gonna come up to interfere with your doing that. And it's, it's, it's so important to give yourself permission to have that thing that you want you know, that have that big, hairy, bodacious goal and go for it and give yourself that. And that's a different kind of boundary as well. You know, that you're actually, it's a boundary that eliminates boundaries, if that makes any sense. You're giving yourself direct permission to have that thing. And that 
requires you to establish other kinds of boundaries. Would love to do and would love to go on that camping trip. I'm doing my line edits this weekend or whatever priority you have that you're is taking your time. It's a temporary kind of boundary because once the project is done, then you know you're free to book your time any way you want to. But if it's truly a priority, you have to say, I have time for this or I have time for that. I don't have time for both. This is the saying no to get to yes. Yeah. Yes. You get yeah. in the big yes is what you want in the end. Yes. Well, I, I would, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's hard. It's hard to do that. You know, I had to set limits with myself yesterday. I was trying to work on a project and it was like, no, this is my boundary. This is what I need to get done. Yes, the sun is shining. I want to be outside, but no, this is it. And so I think bringing it back to the fact that this isn't necessarily easy, right? Self boundaries can be really hard. But like you said, the end game, the end goal of accomplishing this thing is is, you know, we have to keep that in mind and uh, set the limits to make that happen. So I remember my mother used to create this protective bubble around my father when he came home because whatever he wanted to do was so important, it could not be interrupted without prior agreement, you know? Um, and, you know, think about what it would be like if someone was creating a boundaried space for you so that all the inter or what, like an administrative assistant, right? They field everything so that you're not interrupted behind your uh, protected wall. And so if you don't have that and society doesn't allow it, expect it, support it, etc., you're the one who's constantly going, oh, it's here, it's here, or today it's here, today there isn't one, you know? Yeah. I think so it's in The Incredibles. Have, yeah. Did you guys see the movie, movie The Incredibles? The, I think it's the daughter's superpower is to draw a bubble around her. Right. It's awesome. Sorry, Jody. I interrupted no, you. I love that image. I yeah. love that image. I wanted to see that. You know, I, I'm going to just speak about what I've heard. Um, to, this is an exercise that I work with my business clients. And it is getting self-care in your life, having a strong work-life boundary, not and making sure that in some time of the day, whatever time people need, it could be an hour, it could be two hours, is just to protect that time to either get things done or to go on a walk or to meditate or to make that day richer. And this is ongoing. Again, it can be it can be 20 minutes to three to four hours, depending on what that person needs to have that balance and to complete daily projects. So Cynthia, I'm going to just throw out that they don't need the big bodacious project in order to have self-care in your life because burnout is a really, um, let's just say it gets in the way of our achieving our, our goals because we're too tired to do it. So, um, although I love bodacious goals. <laughs> yeah, great. and I, and I like how like this kind of protecting the time, it's so essential in creating focus in our days. And again, kind of back to what do you need to say yes to, to like fully, fully say, or no to, to fully, fully say yes to the thing 
you're actually committing to, whether it's, you know, these next five minutes or the day or, or the whatever that you, it's a very deliberate choice. And, and a boundary in a sense that you're setting it with yourself, that I'm prioritizing this actually, this is important to me. So I'm going to remove distractions, maybe set expectations with other people, you know, like sort of create that bubble for myself, uh, essentially, to make it possible to give my attention fully to that. I love Gail's bubble idea. I, I want to adopt that. <laughs> I want a bubble. I want a VA. I want an assistant who says, <laughs> leave her alone. You know, she'll be available after 12. <laughs> Can I take a message? <laughs> Delegating the boundary setting. Delegating, right. And you know, with COVID, um, I, we were all working from home. My husband, myself, my daughter was in school. She was in, so we were all in separate parts of the room. I had a note on my door, you know, I'm in session or, uh, you know, and she, nobody, actually everybody had the boundary of the door, you know, and people were pretty respectful of that too. So just another way of creating boundaries even in the, in the midst of COVID. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it models, you know, I think, people tend to respect your time more. When you say, I'm taking this time to complete some things, you know, I'll be available after one, um, feel free to contact me there. It, it, and again, it, it shows people that you are focused, that you are organized and that you are protecting yourself to get something done. And it models for other people to say, wow, maybe I can do that without feeling guilty or without having to look productive 24 seven or available on my cell phone 24 seven. So I think the more we do that as coaches and therapists, the more our clients will get it to say, wow, what, what will that bring to my life? What kind of peace, focus, joy? Can I make happen and in creating those daily boundaries? And I think also on the receiving end of a clear boundary is actually a gift to mm -hmm. get that because mm -hmm. then it takes out all the guesswork and wondering and, mm -hmm. you know, too much fluidness and trying to figure out. So if someone says, you know, yes, I can help you and these this is the time or only after, you know, next weekend or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, I can work with that. Right, so right. that clarity, it's actually a gift. Wow. A, a version of that, Ulrika, just to take it a bit further would be just what I've started doing is if somebody asks me for something, even if I have the time immediately, I go, when do you need that? And it makes them stop and think about, you know, is everything just urgently right now needed? Or is like, is this something we can actually do with some time and thought and, and do it in a more uh, graceful way? Yeah, we can assume that, you know, it's easy to assume that when someone has a request of us that is like, oh, like now, and I had a, a, a potential client I'm talking to now that I kind of felt bad saying, Ooh, but we probably can't do that until like August sometime. And she's like, perfect. 
because I have these other things going on. So yes. So like sometimes it's actually, you know, perfect for the other person too. Now mm-hmm. someone has to start saying it and then it can kind of fall in place. Yeah. I want to follow up on the guesswork idea, Ulrika, that you were bringing up. Uh, again, with couples, you know, a lot of times uh, women are under the uh, assumption that if they're not clear with boundaries, then they're being sort of more welcoming and more warmer and more agreeable. Um, but actually, uh, what happens to the partner? Let's say you have a partner who wants to please you. They don't know what to do to please you <laughs> because you haven't said this. This is the thing I need. And so actually, what if the other person was a people pleaser, but in a good way, and you were the people they wanted to please, you need to say what it is that you want in order to make that successful. I love that. Yeah, I think uh, an overall theme that I'm hearing in this discussion is, you know, um, ask, for what, ask for what you need, you know, internally, and then express it externally. You know, I need, um, I can't do that now because I need to work on this project. And I can look at that after the weekend or help you out after the weekend. So I think it really does come down to understanding what you need. And I'm going to throw in, um, you know, what self-care you're going to have on a regular basis. And then express it. And, you know, you still may disappoint people in the meet. Like people may feel disappointed and that's okay. I think normalizing that sometimes other people might have, you know, have an issue with boundaries that we set. It's just human nature. It's okay. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you setting the boundary just because somebody else feels disappointed. I'm suddenly aware that all of us are self-employed and very curious about those of you who've worked in corporate America, you know, who've had bosses. <laughs> um, how does this go over in other kinds of workplaces where you're not the person who is your own employer? Uh, well, my experience in corporate um, it, it's very it, yeah, my experience was I had to follow the tone or the prompts of my boss, his boss, and and just the the corporation in general, how they operated, um, just to feel safe in my position, honestly. And it was uh, not not it, it it didn't allow me to be my best person. It didn't allow me to give my best contribution, and it and so they didn't get the best of me, and they don't even know they didn't. <laughs> and it's just not fun, you know. <laughs> you didn't have the freedom. You didn't feel you had the freedom to set boundaries according to your own promptings. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think um, in corporate, like thinking like what boundaries mean in the context of being a corporate employee. Like one thing is like work-life balance, you know, setting boundaries as far as those kind of things. But I think it, like I was, the where I worked, it was, it was a good culture. So I think it probably is more around what is the culture of the particular company mm-hmm. and to what extent are you 
kind of part of creating the, the team dynamics and like where if it's like all very set and this is the way things are and you better fit in or otherwise you, you know, kind of like what you're saying, Pia, or if it's more like I think where I was, there was more collaborative. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had more of a say in how we worked uh, where I was. That's a great experience to have. Yeah. And I think um, post pandemic, what I've been experiencing in working with businesses and corporate businesses and teams is they value mental health more than ever. They also value retaining employees more than ever. They want to keep the talent. They want to keep people happy. So, um, you know, they're thinking of these things more. They're allowing more freedom where they were very um, rigid on time. I'm working with somebody who is now saying that he's able to talk to his boss about taking that, you know, two hours to do what he needs to do in a kind of a lighter flowing way. And then he'll get back to people at a certain time. And uh, he had that conversation with his boss and his boss said, yeah, you know, I, I'm whatever you need, whatever you need to do, because mental health at this company is key. So well, I think that COVID has essentially changed the workplace so dramatically, you know, where it's like five years ago, we would not have seen this wave of people working remotely and everybody mostly being okay with it. It took a pandemic to do it. And thank you, COVID, um, <laughs> for that, for that um, reset, for that adjustment, because um, it's, it's really revealed a lot of weaknesses in the systems. And like the example that you provided, Jody, it's like, it was a wake up call. We'd better care about the, the emotional well-being of the people that we depend on for whatever widget it is that we're producing collaboratively as a team. Um, it's, it's finally, I think it's really, um, it's gratifying to see that kind of perspective being more mainstream. Absolutely. And it also, yeah, no, I just wanted to add to that this, um, you know, what you were summarizing kind of Jody, like, no, you know, be clear what you need and ask for it. Even in those situations, like if you ask for, even in a corporate environment, whatever culture, kind of daring to ask for what you need and you know maybe you get a no or or maybe there's some conversation at least that can start um, and i think if you ask in a way that it's like this is where i come from or this is like why i'm asking for mm -hmm. this like i used to uh bring my dog to work and i remember feeling kind of guilty taking him out for a walk but then i realized that i did my best thinking when I took my dog for a walk. So like it was okay in that environment, but I imagine too, if I would have had to ask my boss or like kind of say that, is it okay if I take my dog out? Because actually I come up with the best solutions and ideas when I do that. And then, you know, maybe things are more possible sometimes also than we dare to believe. All right. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot more possibility for problem solving, you know, and for tuning into what it is that we need and then finding a way to go to bosses and go to other employees and be able to communicate that and figure out, well, it might not be exactly what we would do if we were working independently, but is there some negotiation that can happen? Yeah, it seems like there's more of that happening now. Again, asking for what you need and explaining why you need it which is great on both Susan and Ulrico's points. Well, we have just another few minutes. Would anybody like to add anything on boundaries for our listeners? I, I have a client I was just thinking of who had a really hard time setting boundaries and we worked on this for a number of years actually. <clears throat> At work, she, well work and everywhere else, she didn't set boundaries and her boss therefore didn't understand how much she was doing and she asked for a raise and he said no and then she you know we developed a um (laughs) a list of everything she was doing that was above and beyond her job description and above and beyond the number of hours she was being paid for and then she sent it to him and she said i have not said no and this is what I have been doing because I have not said no. And therefore, this is the amount of money you need to be paying me. And he couldn't believe all of the things, all of her labor, effort, and genius that had been invisible until she drew his attention to it. And so one thing about setting a boundary, it really is a direct translation of saying, I am of value, my time is of value, and you know, and I'm in charge of whatever, you know, distrib- distributing it out to the world. <laughs> great point. I love that success story, Dale. That's great. Ah, yes, we have to communicate again, not only our needs, but what we are doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, we are out of time. And I'd uh, like to thank all of you for the very stimulating and very gratifying conversation. And uh, I would just really appreciate what, uh, what you all have to say on this hard topic. All right, everybody, um, you take care. And, um, you know, it's been wonderful talking with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Jody. Thanks, everybody. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com.